I think the key is to be willing to make an ask, right? Even if you're not fully clear on exactly what you're asking for, to kind of trust that it's okay to not have all your ducks in a row before you reach out. And then I think the other key is to be willing to show what's really going on and to not just tell, but show. There's a lot that can hold us back from sharing our work, talking about our accomplishments, or asking for help as small business owners. In fact, these necessities of small business ownership are especially tricky for women and marginalized groups. Tara Moore, the author of Playing Big, says, this is a realization many women are late to come by, especially if they were good student types in school, because self-advocacy isn't needed much to excel in the classroom. In school, we get used to doing heads down, quiet, quality work without ever having to talk it up. In the workplace, the rules change. Our small businesses are built on our ability to get noticed by the right people and communicate effectively about how we create value. We don't have the option to sit back and wait for someone to take notice. So what do we do? My guest this week has an idea. You're listening to What Works, the show that finds out what's really working for small business owners today as they grow and manage their businesses. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Maya Sharfi is the founder of Build Yourself, and she's been making what she calls the wing woman effect work for her for years. But she hasn't just been using it. She's been excelling with it. At Build Yourself, Maya helps women in creative fields move past the obstacles that hold them back in their careers and make their workplaces better places for women to thrive. She's run a research effort on women in social impact design for the Harvard Business School. She's a founding member of the Equity Roundtable at the Boston Society of Architects. And she was named one of Impact Design Hub's Social Impact Design 40 Under 40. She's spoken extensively across the country, including at the Association of Community Designers and A Better World by Design, as well as the University of Pennsylvania and UT Austin. Maya and I chat about what the wing woman effect is and how it works. Plus, you'll hear how she leverages her personal business wing woman, why she makes time to meet new people every month, and why getting what we want is a combination of both giving and asking. Now, let's find out what works for Maya Sharfi. Maya Sharfi, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited for this topic, so let's just dive right into it. What is the wing woman effect? Yeah. So the wing woman effect is building up your business or your career through building up other people. My, my favorite example of the wing woman effect is from the book Lean In. Um, I read it a number of years ago and there was this story that really stuck with me, which was about women who were in the kind of middle management layer at Merrill Lynch and they wanted to move forward in their careers but they felt like they couldn't get away with bragging about their accomplishments the same way that they felt like the men who were at their level were doing. So they decided that they were going to start getting together and telling each other about what each other had done. And then they went back out into the company and they would talk about what the other women had accomplished. And so what was really cool about the story was that you know, a number of years later, the vast majority of the women who were at, who were, who were, you know, part of this, this virtuous circle actually moved up into senior leadership. So, you know, for me, it's a, it's an amazing story because it's really about how, you know, really focusing on other people, but as part of this kind of collective pact can move you forward. So, 
for me, you know, it shows up in my business in a couple of different ways. Um, so I actually have a business wing woman. Um, you know, I think it's what some people might call a mastermind, but you know, mastermind is such a, I don't know, this is wing woman is a much more awesome word in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we meet once a week, we've been meeting for at this point about three or four years. We swap business challenges. We really, really get under the hood and, you know, share language and templates. And sometimes we'll even swap challenges and solve them for each other. So, um, you know, just recently she actually like created my program calendar for my, for my, for build yourself for the next year. Wow. Yeah. It was amazing. Cause you know, I was getting really trapped in, should I do this or should I do that? Or should I do this first? And what's the dependency? And she just listened to me and you know, it's not her business. So she just came up with the simplest solution and handed it back to me. And it was amazing. And, you know, I've helped her figure out uh, structures around managing her calendar so that she can figure out what to say yes to and what to say no to so that she can preserve her energy and her focus. Um, but I've also, I've hosted virtual virtuous circles. Um, so, you know, very similar to the Merrill Lynch women. Um, so I will, um, bring together a couple of business owners for a online meeting and we'll go around to each person and we'll say, okay, what do you need right now in your business? What, you know, what are you looking for? Is it introductions to podcasters or to a specific client type or, you know, whatever it is. And then we'll spend time on that specific person and think about who do I know who I can introduce you to? What resources can I send your way? And, you know, we'll, we'll fully focus on that person, figure out what we can do to push them forward and then make those introductions or connections that are going to help them. So yeah, that that's the wing woman effect. Um, and I'd say that it's it's really a fundamental approach to how I think about my business and growing my business. Um, you know, so I'm I'm a member of co-commercial, and this year I've been um, trying to have monthly virtual coffee dates with with other online business owners who I think are interesting or who I admire. And so I've done it with a number of co-commercial folks. And, um, you know, so for example, there's a woman, Marie Poulin, and um, she and I have met a couple times. And, you know, I think we're going to do something joint with our, our audiences for our businesses. Um, you know, Ali Shapiro, who's also a co-commercial member, we met, we really clicked, you know, and the coffee dates are really about sharing what's really going on in our businesses, challenges, um, but then also what's working for us. And Ali and I actually started doing a weekly challenge where we'd email each other on Fridays about something we'd done that scared, that scared us, right. You know, kind of playing a little bit bigger. And I knew that she was making a pitch for a specific podcast and I happened to be a listener. So, you know, you know, even just not just supporting the other person, but taking an active step to support them. So I wrote them a little note and said, I think Ali's, you know, a longtime listener. I think Ali is amazing. Um, you know, I think you should consider her as a guest on your podcast. And so it's really about linking together with other people who can support you. Um, and connect you to the opportunities that you want, but it's also about building those deeper, longer-term relationships with other people that really up-levels you. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I am all about that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I want to, for anyone listening, both Marie Poulin and Ali Shapiro are friends of the pod so that there there are interviews with them. If you want to learn more about those two fabulous women um, and fabulous business owners, uh, check out, uh, just, you know, search our podcast feed for those two interviews. Um, so I know how you met those two, because like you said, um, you're all in co-commercial. You all run in, in this, that that particular circle that we have made or created or brought together, mm-hmm. convened. Um, how did you find uh, the first person or your, the first woman you were yeah. talking about to yeah. the one you meet with weekly? Yeah. So her name's Kristen Gallagher. She runs a company called Edify. Um, we actually run really, really different businesses. Um, and we have kind of a magical origin story. And so I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you the magic story and then I'm going to also break it down. Cause I, you know, sometimes things that seem magical feel like they, you know, you just have to be in the right place at the right time. And I actually think that you can craft a relationship this good. Yeah. So, um, we were in the being, we were both listeners of the being boss podcast and, um, back in the day, back in the day, uh, <laughs> uh, being boss had a Facebook group and, I, at the time was running, um, I was running build yourself, my, my company, but I was also, um, you know, working as a design consultant and I was trying to figure out, I didn't even have the words to describe what I was trying to figure out, but I was ultimately trying to figure out like staffing myself and making sure that I had enough time to get the work done and also was bringing in enough money. Right. So forecasting and staffing, right. I didn't know those words at the time. Um, so I kind of posted on the Facebook group and I was like, hi guys, does anyone know how you can have enough work, but not too much work? And like, how do you like figure that out for yourself? Do you use tools or what? And, you know, a bunch of people would say, you know, would recommend tools, right? I use Asana. I use this, I use that. And I was like, well, can you, anyone willing to pop on Skype with me? And, you know, it's not just the tools, but show me how you use the tools, you know, how you go from it, you know, it was like a very vaguely worded question. I was like embarrassed writing it. And Kristen was like, Kristen was like, yeah, I'd hop on Skype with you. So we get on Skype and it's just this like amazing conversation. And I think key to the conversation was that, you know, we really, really, again, got under the hood together. Right. Um, and so I remember her like pointing to this whiteboard and like diagramming something out for me and being like, well, and you know, here's how we do it. And we just found that it was so, so helpful and that we also really, really clicked. Um, you know, I was interested in what she was doing, even though it was really different from me and she was interested in what I was doing. And so we decided to keep on meeting. And then, you know, the Bing Boss conference, their first conference was happening. And at the time, you know, I think it was $200. And at the time, I was just starting out. It was it was like oh, $200. But I I caught I called up Kristen and I said, "You know, I think we should go to this conference together. I think we should room together and I think it's going to be great for our businesses." And so she said, "Okay." So we did and it was just it it was like, you know, the conference was, you know, like fantastic to meet other people and, you know, super fun. But it was those conversations with Kristen that just, it was like, it was like a business retreat, right? It like changed the game for the next year. So now we actually do an annual business retreat. We just got back from our fourth annual, you know, it's like, you know, me and Kristen, you know, we'll pick a cool city and we'll go there and we'll do fun things. And we'll, we'll also, you know, plan our businesses for the next year. Um, this year we actually gave each other uh, paper plate awards. Um, so from camp, you know, like recognizing <laughs> like... Yeah, like, um, you know, 
most best tennis player. So she gave me the the not reinventing the wheel award, which made me super happy. <laughs> so I want someone to give me that award, but first I would have to earn it. <laughs> well, you know, I, yeah. Oh, the not reinventing the wheel award. You know, yeah. yeah. Let, let, let's say this. It's we manage. I manage reinventing the wheel. I will always be a reforming perfectionist and a reforming wheel re- reinventor. But like the key is like, I'm I, the ing, right? I'm, I'm doing it. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So that's the kind of magic story, right? Right place, right time. But I think the key is to be willing to make an ask, right? Even if you're not fully clear on exactly what you're asking for right? To kind of trust that it's okay to not have every, all your ducks in a row before you reach out. And then I think the other key is to be willing to show what's really going on and to not just tell, but show. So I think part of what differentiated our relationship from the beginning was, you know, I'd pull up screen share and I'd say, okay, here's my pipeline or, you know, here's my contract or here's the way I've scoped the project. What do you think? And she'd say, oh, that's super useful. Actually, can you send me that? I mean, we actually both have access to each other's Google drives and each other's, you know, business, business. Yeah. So, um, and you know, I, 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 right. It could seem incredibly scary. Um, we built that up that trust over time, right. You know, you don't do it the first coffee meeting, but being willing to, be vulnerable enough to really show, to explain what's going on. And then to also show, not tell, I think is what creates those kinds of relationships. And, you know, it's amazing, especially if you're a solo founder, like I love collaboration and I love feeling connected with people. And I love feeling like I'm not alone, even though I am the only person who owns Build Yourself. So it helps me get that feeling of having a co-founder, even though I don't have a co-founder. I love all of that. There are so many takeaways to unpack in what you just shared, um, and I'm probably not going to be able to get to all of them, uh, but I want to come back to the fact that so far, all of the women that you have uh, talked about, Kristen, Marie, and Allie, you've met in business groups, essentially networking groups, Facebook group, you know, membership community kind of thing, but they're essentially um, business owner groups. Uh I think a lot of people, okay. So like, it makes sense, right? You go into a room full of, or a website full of a thousand or thousands of business owners, you're going to meet somebody, but how do you vet what groups you want to be a part of? Because stepping into a room full of a thousand people or a website full of a thousand people, that takes a lot of time and energy. How do you decide what's worth investing in? Um, and how do you decide like what you're going to do once you get inside? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, before I, I, I answer that, I do want to say that, uh, you know, a business community is an amazing shortcut, um, but I don't think that you need one. Mm-hmm. I think that there are many people out there who you probably admire and think are interesting and, you know, it can't hurt to ask, right? Not everyone will say yes, right? Not everyone will say yes. Um, you know, side note, I work a lot with women in um, architecture and design and creative fields and an architecture principal who is amazing at her job gets like, and we're talking about really amazing, gets only 25% of the job she goes after. So being great at what you do 
means being willing to be rejected over and over and over again, because, you know, that's how you get that 25% of the jobs that you have. So not everyone's going to say yes. But um, so my first piece of advice is to curate a sense of who you think is interesting, not to overthink it. I keep a little Evernote note, uh, Evernote file of just, you know, like interesting business owners. And if I'm listening to a podcast and I think someone's interesting, I mark them down. And then I, you know, I kind of have the hack a little bit or the crutch a little bit of having this goal to have an online business coffee date with someone once a month because, you know, it kind of gives me a little bit of, of a, of a way in. So I, I, you know, I just did it the other day. I said, Hey, I have this goal of doing this once a month. I think, you know, I've been watching what you're up to for a while and I think it's so fantastic. I love that you do X, Y, Z. Um, any chance you'd be up for having, having a coffee date, you know, and actually, honestly, the majority of people who I've asked have had, have said yes. So, um, so that's my first piece of advice. I think second piece of advice in terms of if you've got so many options, how do you start a conversation? I would say, you know, strategically think about who is not a competitor, but is an allied, an allied business owner, a professional. So, um, you know, I'll use the, the, um, okay, I'll use a co- an example as a coach. So I am a career and business coach. I help women move forward in their careers and businesses and get more of what they want. Allie is an incredible asset for me because she's a coach who focuses on health and wellness. And the kinds of people who she's working with are the kinds of people who might be great fits for me to work with. Um, so thinking a little bit about who serves the kind of people who you are interested in. And then, you know, at the end of the day, who do you admire how they're showing up in the world? Because it's very likely if you admire them and they're leading from some of the values that you want to lead, that the kind of people who are in their world will be the kind of people who are good people for you to know. Mm, I totally agree. You'll hear more from Maya in just a bit, including how she's gotten more comfortable asking for what she needs. But first, let's hear from our What Works partners. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses like yours that bring people together. Now, until recently, online business owners like us had to use an array of different platforms, all with separate audiences to build our brands. One platform for courses, another for events, another for your content, and yet another for your community. Not only do none of these platforms work together, but forget about mobile, where we all know people are spending the majority of their time today. Now at Co-Commercial, we face the same challenge until we found Mighty Networks. With the Mighty Network, online business owners just like you can bring people together in one place. Your website, your content, your courses, your community, your events online and in real life, and you can charge for them, all while building your brand. The best part? When you're ready, you can upgrade to roll all these features into your own native mobile app under your brand. It's like having your own Silicon Valley startup behind you with none of the headaches. At Co-Commercial, we use Mighty Networks to bring small business owners together so they can make better decisions, solve everyday challenges, and achieve their goals. Visit MightyNetworks.com to see more examples of brands bringing people together via events, classes, memberships, content, and more. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. As a business owner, you wear a lot of hats. Some of those hats are fun and stylish and others, not so much. Gusto makes it easy for you to wear your awesome employer hat. 
They take the guesswork out of payroll, taxes, and HR, whether you're a business of one or a business of 100. Those old school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way modern small businesses like yours work, but Gusto is. Listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash what works. That's gusto.com slash what works. Um, okay. All of this sounds like it takes a lot of time. <laughs> like, okay. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, investing in communities, um, investing yourself in monthly coffee dates, investing yourselves in weekly wing woman meetings. Yeah. Um, for someone who is growing their business or even just getting started in their business, that can seem like a nice to have instead of a have to have when yeah. your schedule is slammed with all the other things you think you should be doing. How do you personally ensure that you're making time to keep up uh, with those connections and reaching out to new people? Yeah. So I don't think of a, about it in the typical way of like, keep up your network, keep your network live. Um, I am the kind of person who can get really wrapped up in exactly the thing I'm doing in the moment that I'm doing it. And so, you know, those people who, you know, know their high school best friends and are still, you know, connected to them and, you know, know what their kids did or whatever, like, that's not me. So hopefully that gives, gives folks hope. So, you know, I actually think a good way to talk about this is, um, I can go through, um, so I'll, I'll talk about the process that I use to sell my coaching program, which is fundamentally a wing woman process. Um, okay. and ac- yeah, so actually Brianne Dick in co-commercial recommended this book. That's a Bible that she lives by called the prosperous coach. And I was, um, starting a new program. So, you know, heard about it at a good time and, you know, it has a specific philosophy of how to do sales. So they say that you should, you know, pick up the phone and call everybody that you know, and you tell them, or you ask them how they're doing, right? You know, you find out, you, it's not transactional, right? You find out how, how they are, what's going on in their life. Then you tell them about what you're up to. And then finally, you ask them if they know anyone who would be a great fit for you. That's it, right? Super, super simple process. And, you know, what they say is that until you have all the clients you need, you should be on the phone all day, every day (laughs) (laughs) talking to people, Um, which, you know, maybe sounds incredibly frightening for other people. Totally, totally frightening for me. Um, I'm an extrovert, but, you know, the idea, it's not, it's not about the connection or being, you know, on the phone all day, but it's about making the ask that is really, really tricky. Um, And I have to say, you know, when I first read about it, I, I said, okay, this sounds like the right thing for me. I'm going to do it. And then I found myself week after week after week, you know, knowing that I needed, I was going to be launching my coaching program soon. Um, being like, oh, it's Friday. It's not a good time to call people or, uh, you know, like, oh, I, should I really call them? You know, maybe, nah, 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 nah. maybe I should go back and find some different people to call. You know, like I had my list, I was ready to go. And I was, you know, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Um, you know, don't want to get rejected, kind of afraid of being vulnerable, um, you know, worried that they're going to think that I'm pushy. And, you know, especially for, for any of your listeners who are female. Um, but I think, you know, I, whenever I talk about this, men tell me I experienced this too. Um, there's, there's, you know, sometimes we can struggle to make asks, um, for women in particular, we socialize women to be givers, to, 
you know, solve other people's problems, meet their needs. And it turns out that getting access to what we want and need, whether that's growing in our careers or, you know, having our businesses hit success, it's actually about the combination of giving and asking. Um, there's a there's an author, Bonnie Marcus, who wrote a book called The Politics of Promotion, who says that, you know, what we do when we go out of our way to do something for someone else is that we build up the favor bank. Um, and it sounds transactional. So, you know, you can think about it as the goodwill bank that like we are supporting their agenda, their efforts, their growth. And then what we need to do is then to make asks to back of them to say, okay, can I, you know, hey, I would really like to, you know, have that be in that meeting. Could you invite me or, you know, anyone you know who would be right for this program? But where women sometimes get stuck is that they don't feel empowered to ask. They feel like they need to be the givers and asking pushes against, you know, social conditioning that says, you know, don't be pushy, don't put put your needs in front of other people's. So, you know, probably all of this was going on for me, even though I am a women's empowerment coach, uh, just because you just because you teach it doesn't mean that you don't experience it. And I talked about it with Kristen, my business wing woman, and she said, and I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. And she said, you know what? Sometime, okay, later on this week, you're going to call me up. I'll be your first call. Don't tell me when you're going to call me. And, you know, yeah, do the prosperous coach thing on me. So I called her up later that week and she had totally forgotten. So she's like, Hey, what's up? I was like, how are you, Kristen? She's like, good, good. I was like, so I'm starting this new coaching program. And she's like, huh. And so I, you know, I gave her my, <laughs> my, my thing and, you know, practiced, practiced the conversation. And it was, you know, I was like, I knew she knew, but it was a chance to really make it feel real. So that the first time I had that call, it didn't feel so high pressure. And, you know, she was awesome. And, uh, you know, she actually gave me, she was like, yeah, let me think about it. And she thought about it. And she came up with a couple of people who she thought could be good fits. And actually, one of them ended up being one of my first my first coaching students. Oh, that's so, incredible. Yeah. No, it was amazing. It was amazing. And it was just about, you know, it's not, I see this with women I work with. It's not, it's sometimes it's about time, but most of the time it's really about inner resistance. And there are things that we can do, right? Ways to take like a small bite or a first step in a supportive way that help us get to the other side of that first time of something that scares us. And then once you've had that first call, it's a little bit easier to have that second call. And when you've had that second call, it's a little bit easier to have your third call. And, you know, I ultimately ended up selling out that first coaching coaching cohort and 75% of the people who were in it were from referrals that I had introductions for people who I'd asked, right? People who, you know, just knew me and believed in me um, or people who, you know, found out about what I was doing and posted to their communities. So I ended up getting the majority of my students came through the wing woman approach and that prosperous coach approach. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I mean, personally, I know this is how people are selling out programs. I know this is how people are getting business, closing deals. Um, but to hear it just spelled out like that is so incredible, so helpful. Um, and I think even though 
okay, so you might be an extrovert. I'm an introvert, right? So mm-hmm, it is, mm-hmm. it sounds terrifying to me. And at the same time, it feels so liberating and straightforward. Um, I, I, so I love that you shared that your, that Kristen got on the phone with you for that very first call. Um, but I assume that that wasn't enough to get over all of the fear mm-hmm. of making the ask. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk us through the, the, maybe the mindset shift or the approach to your, to your mindset around this, that's helped you get more comfortable with making the ask over time. Is there, did you have a realization? Did you have, um, a, an experience that made you realize that, you know, you were doing people a favor by making this ask, like talk us through, through the head games there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is great because, um, you know, the good thing about going through this in my business is also that this is one of the top places that women who I work with get stuck. Um, you know, some women are trying to make asks within their companies. Some women, um, you know, I, I'm working with a woman right now who is trying to shift her business to doing the work she can get to the work she wants to do. And she needs to get outside of her her comfort zone and talk to new people. And so she's going through this right now. So there's, there's, there's kind of two pieces to it, right? The first piece is getting comfortable with asking. And then the second piece is getting comfortable with the kind of inner critic challenges that you face, right? The resistance, the fear around it. So when it comes to asking, there's a couple strategies that I like. Um, one for me is just knowing and that knowing that, generally women give more than they ask for. So knowing that that's true helps me say, okay, when I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it because I want to demonstrate that it's possible for women to ask, right? I'm doing this on behalf of the people who, whose lives, like I want to help change and for other women, right? So I'm demonstrating this and making more room for other people to do this. I think the second thing, um, and this is a, a habit that that I really like, is when you're about to make an ask, um, it may feel selfish, it may feel challenging. And so um, if you're really feeling bad about it, one of the things that you can do is to give it, put a gift out there in the world right before you make an ask. It doesn't have to be to the person who you're going to make the ask for, but I may go and think, okay, who do I know that I can do something good for before I pick up the phone so that I can really feel like I'm part of this chain of, of connection. So it might be, Oh, I know this person, you know, is really struggling to find a new, a new, um, babysitter. It's like, why don't I put a blast on Facebook just to see if anyone knows, right. You know, something, Mm -hmm. just something about that habit, um, of connecting, asking to giving. So it feels more, more, it feels like a philosophy of how you live rather than, Ooh, I need a client. Um, I think the third piece is just recognizing that, that, you know, the people who you are asking are oftentimes people who you will have a long-term relationship with. So, you know, when I think about that first cohort, you know, I asked someone who was a potential client for my design consultancy that I'd been running. Um, you know, we'd known each other for a long time. We swapped book recommendations. Um, you know, she wasn't really even connected to my coaching work, but I just knew I really like her. I believe in her. I love what she's up to and we're going to be connected for a long time. So this is just another moment of trust building between us. So those are the frameworks that kind of help me make sense of the ask. Um, then on the kind of inner critic side, right. Which, you know, leads to performance anxiety and putting it off and perfectionism. Um, 
So favorite strategy is to take a smaller bite. So for me, it was like, okay, got to call like 70 people a week and like blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, no, I'm going to call Kristen this week. Then next week, I'm going to call one more person. Then the week after, I'm going to call two more people. And yes, maybe there's pressure to fill this class immediately. But also, this is a long game. And so if I don't fill out this class now, every call I make is building my ability to fill, fill out my coaching cohorts, you know, next year, three years in the future, right? This is building my long-term resiliency and each call will be training for the next, right? It's not, my evaluation is not, does it go perfectly? My evaluation is, did I grow from, from the last time to this time? What did I learn? Um, number two is, so take a small bite. Number two is what I call racking up your rejections. So at one point I was working on a small um, startup and we had, we basically had to call people and ask them to be our partners. And it was really hard. I, you know, I, I, I it's cold calling, right? So mm-hmm. we kept a log of people who we asked and what we celebrated was not whether they said yes or no, right? Because, you know, three out of four of the jobs you go after, you're not going to get, you know, don't celebrate getting a yes. We celebrated like filling out lines in that log. So we'd be like, yes, we asked 30 people. Yes, we asked 40 people. And so it was shifting what, what, yeah, what success looks like. Um, and then finally, um, a strategy that I really like that that's kind of, you know, it's like fun and snarky is, um, we call it WWXD. So, you know, I don't know if you remember the kind of like, what would Jesus do like thing in the 1990s. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) I rolled with that crowd. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, I remember like seeing all, I'm not, I'm not Christian, but um, you know, seeing all like the cool accessories and being like, like, what if like, what a cool, like, I don't know. I just like love the fashion of it. I I don't know. I've, I've, I've been, I've loved it for a long time. So, so what we do is, um, and one of my coaching tools is um, WWXD. So what would, what would, you know, what would Tara do, right? You know, if I like, what would Tara do when she was about to pick up the call? What would, you know, I've got, I've got a couple of people who stand for me this one woman in my life, Katie, um, you know, Katie's super empowered. She's, you know, she just eyes on a prize on a mission. She believes in herself and she goes for things. She says things that need to be said. So like, what would Katie do? And what I imagine is, you know, if I could like have like this gross and also weird and also awesome, um, if I had like a skin suit of Katie, like hanging in my closet and I like (laughs) zipped it over my body, I I don't even know. I don't think Katie will ever listen to this. She'll probably be real creeped out, but like, you know, like zipped it over my body and I pick up the phone as if I was Katie, right? I I don't have to be Katie all day, every day in my life. But if I had that call as if I were Katie, how would I show up differently from the call, right? How would I frame things differently? Um, and if I can be Katie just for a moment or just for, you know, the, the moment when I make the ask, then I can borrow part of what Katie represents for me and start trying it on myself. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, ha- I had a student who, who had a, we, she had someone who, uh, who her WWXD. And one day I asked her to come to our coaching call dressed as her WWXD. And so she came to the coaching call. It was a little bit about trying on a new identity of someone who is, more powerful, more willing to make asks, more willing to say no to things. And I think, you know, rather than say, be more empowered, it's a lot easier for us as human beings to, to kind of mimic someone else who stands for the values that we want to stand for. 
Yeah, I love that idea. It's definitely, I, I it, obviously I didn't call it exactly this, but it's definitely a technique that I've used for myself yeah. to figure out how I need to show up differently, um, how I need to, uh, you know, what I need to work on to be who I need to be in that moment to do that thing that I need to do. And for me personally, you know, I think it can sound weird like, well, that's that's how so-and-so would do it. That's not how Tara would do it. Um but I don't actually think that's true. I think when you put that that skin suit on, <laughs> you actually get in touch with a part of yourself that you didn't know existed, mm, right? And so yeah. that as you as you start acting in these new ways, you take on an identity that's actually more your own than perhaps the one mm-hmm. more self-actualized, more your own mm-hmm. than the one that you've actually been uh, living in. And uh, that, that just makes you a better version of who you already are. And I, I love love, love, love that suggestion and that tool. I think that's phenomenal. Um, Before we wrap up here, I I actually want to go way back to something that you mentioned um, in the first half of the conversation that we didn't have a chance to unpack then, which is um, this file of interesting business owners that you'd like to meet, that Mm -hmm. you keep. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think this is really, really important. I was actually just on a live stream like literally an hour ago telling people to do something similar, like make a list of the kinds of people that you want to meet. Because I don't think a lot of people know. Um, Because again, I've been asking people this, like literally getting on the phone with members and saying, okay, who do you want to meet in 2019 to help move your business along? Mm -hmm. And they don't know. And I'm like, why don't you know the answer to this question? Mm. So (laughs) let's get back to you. How do you find the people that you want to put on that list? Okay. So there's some things that I do that are about sit down and like hustle it out, right? Like write it down. I'm a creative, right? I'm kind of like a, a associative thinker. Um, so for me, if someone says, sit down and give me the list of the people who you really want to want to meet, like it would be hard. I'd be like, uh, hmm, hmm. I, like I actually have a file, but I'd have to like open it up and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Instead, I think thinking about it is is kind of like a filter that you take with you, right? So it's like, you know, I'm taking in information from all kinds of places, right? I'm in co-commercial. I listen to podcasts. Although, you know, you know, I think recently I've been reading more books than podcasts, which is totally fine. And as I'm reading and I find myself engaged in something, you know, that's when I'll be like, oh, like, okay, this person sounds super, super interesting. And I'll just like, that's why I always have Evernote open on my phone and I'll write them down. I don't judge it. I don't overthink it. I don't, um, you know, I don't, like it's not a linear process for me. It's really kind of like a scraping and collecting in my day-to-day life. Um, so I guess if, um, you know, podcasts are a really, really big way that I've learned. And so um, anyone who's on a podcast can be someone who you reach out to, right? So, um, you know, if you really want to curate your sense of who you're excited about, well, then give yourself an assignment to listen to you know, two to three podcasts a month and to write down the people who um, seem interesting to you who are getting referenced or who are getting interviewed. Um, go to even just, you know, if you want to do it, if you just kind of like want to come up with a quick list, go to some of your favorite podcasts um, or whatever it is for you, right? Maybe it is, um, you know, a business owners association or something else and scroll through the interviews that they've done and just say, okay, I want to find three people on this list who seem kind of interesting. And those are going to be the start of my list. Um, I'm a big fan of not 
overthinking it and trusting your intuition. And then you can step back and you can say, okay, what is this telling me? What what are all these people on there? Are there any linkages between them? Oh, they're people who are always thinking about, about, you know, they have a really human centered approach or they have a, this, they have a, that. And then, you know, you get to say, okay, is there anyone who should be added into this? Mm. Oh, it seems like I have so many people doing this, but what I really need is that. So I'm a fan of it being iterative. That's just, it's the way that I, I work better. So it's about, you know, structuring those those habits that when I'm listening to something, I'm actively listening and I've got my Evernote open to, you know, capture anything that I want to capture. Um, that's what works for me. Um, someone else may have a um, more linear process and then you can use the, like, you know, set your timer for 10 minutes and go on three, you know, load up three of your favorite podcasts and make sure that you take three names from each. And I think that's, that's also a really good way to do it, right? Um, I guess if I want to kind of leave folks with something, it's that we think about these strategies as being all this extra time, like, oh, I can never do this. But usually they don't take as much time as you think that they that they do. And oftentimes the blockage is not not enough time, but fear and resistance around oh, who would talk to me? Or, you know, should I can I really call this person? Or, you know, and so, you know pushing forward and doing this, you know, doing like making one ask is more powerful than building a huge, huge, you know, system around making 17 asks. Cause that one ask will push you forward a lot farther than planning for the 17 asks that you'll never make. Yeah. I think that's a great takeaway for people. Um, all right, Maya, what's next for you? Yeah. So, well, what's next for me, and this is really exciting is that I am building in a, a team. Um, I actually, um, I would just shout out to a previous, uh, a previous interviewee, um, Jess Ostroff. Uh, you did a, an interview with her a couple months ago and it was just like, she, she runs don't panic management and it just helped me think really differently about the kind of support that I wanted in my, in my business. And so, um, ever since I read the book, I've been building up my team and really trying to think about how we can use the wing woman effect in the way that we support each other and in the way that we relate to our clients. So, you know, just thinking about how we can delight clients and go out of our way to support them in ways that they don't expect. Um, thinking about that in terms of how can I do that for the people who I work with. Um, so that's really the next level for me is translating this into, into, an approach, a culture rather than just, you know, my own practice. Um, and I've actually put together a guide, um, for any, um, any of your listeners who are, who are feeling like they want to start to integrate the wing woman approach in their work, um, and in their businesses, um, on how to run a virtuous circle. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a step-by-step guide on how you can bring people together and, put them in the spotlight, put each person in the spotlight, create a structure so that each person can get supported and get what they need and create that, that kind of spin-off effect where you're supporting other people. So, um, you can get that at buildyourselfworkshop.com backslash what works. And, you know, I think what's great, you can start with a accountability partner, but I think what's really also exciting about a virtuous circle is that, you know, it's really just, it's a way of starting a conversation with a group of people and starting out really 
you know, opening up a place where people can give and ask together. And I would recommend, you know, bring together the people who you respect and admire and try one out and see how it feels. Fantastic. We will make sure that link gets into the show notes. Of course, Maya, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for sharing the wing woman effect with us um, and how you've used it to build up your business, your career, and to most importantly, build up the women around you. So incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for all you do with co-commercial because it's definitely been a big part of how I do wing women, wing woman, how I wing woman. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Learn more about Maya Sharfi at buildyourselfworkshop.com and get Maya's guide to creating your own virtuous circle at buildyourselfworkshop.com slash what works. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind the scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medius and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.